Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. And look, everyone, BetOnline, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. It has you covered for all your new scores and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. And also, hey, it's free to sign up. So head to the website, BetOnline.ag, or use your mobile device right now to sign up today and receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your very first deposit. That is only at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the podcast today we got two really special guests here first off he works for nbc sports and he also works for bet prop it is brad feinberg hello brad how are you joey good to talk to you today look forward to it very much yeah thank you so much for coming on the pod man i'm excited and we're also bringing him back we were talking masters and white Sox last week this week we're going to go a little bit across the buffet table it's scott saying hello scott what's going on guys? welcome back well let's get you started here first brad you know first pitch fastball across the plate. I'm wondering if you can kind of walk us through a little bit of your career as one of the most known gambling experts in America right now. Maybe give us the Scorsese montage <laughs> and we could put some Rolling Stones music right behind it of just, you know, how you got into the business, the journey to where you are right now. And maybe also was the first bet that you placed, was it a win or was it a loss? Well, you know, it's funny, Mike, I remember this, you know, Joey, when I was a young kid, I want to say like in no joke, like fourth grade. I don't know if you remember those sheets that someone would give out saying, pick four, circle the games. You'd have to circle them. Ties lose. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. Like if you go three for three, five for one, four for four, 10 for one. That was my first introduction to that. And I remember, oh my God, I thought I was, I was, I was the happiest kid in the world trying to win that. And I did win a few of those, those pools back back in the day when I was in fourth grade, but that was probably my first introduction into it. And, uh, you know, it's funny, Joey, I ran a woman's clothing company from 1995 to 2016, but I always just had the, the bug or whatever you want to call it for sports gambling. And I, I remember I, from the time I was in college to till, till now, I would all, that was a, always a huge part of my life. And I used to be, Joey, like when you, when I would tell someone what I did, they would look at you like you had three eyes, like, oh, you know, you're a sports game. Oh my gosh. You know, what's wrong with you? CD, get back yeah, to the exactly. darkness of the alley, Brad. Yeah. 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 And it's funny. Even my dad, who I love very dearly, he was almost like when he, when I would tell, when he would tell me, he was like almost embarrassed. Now it's like, oh yeah, my son's a sports gambler. It's, it's amazing how it's changed. And it, I think it's a wonderful thing. Again, when you go, sure you've been to Europe, like there's sports betting parlors all over the place. Now, finally, the United States has woke up and in so many great states, we're getting it. Hopefully we get it in every single state soon enough. But yeah, like, and since I sold my business in 2016, I've kind of really done this full time. Uh, NBC reached out to me, you know, was lucky enough to be their sports betting analyst, announced some Sixer games, which is really fun. And now, you know, with all the different sports sites you can do, you know, I love being able to, to bet so many different ways. It used to be just before, Joe, you could bet, okay, who do you like? Uh, the Bulls tonight or the Raptors? <clears throat> do you like the over? Do you yeah, like the under? yeah. Now, right. Now it's, do you like, do you like the first half? Do you like Kyle Lowry's under in points? Do you like Zach Levine's over and assists? Do you like the live betting during the, you know, the third quarter, there's four minutes to go. The bulls are up seven. The line is five and a half who you like. There's so many ways to bet now. 
before it was just very limited. Now, Joey, with everything and all the different things out there, I think for a gambler, this is the best time to be doing stuff. I really believe that. I like it because it has that edge of, in my personal opinion, as a former comedian and performer, sports for me is like the lot, the last live bastion of Rome, right? I mean, it is complete improv at every single moment and you show yeah. up, you pay your ticket and you don't know what's going to happen. But as a performer in me, I like going to show to see what the moves are going to be. I try and figure out what's coming next and how the story's going to end. And I think that kind of goes into the heart a little bit of people that like to get into sports gambling. Scott, for you, man, do you remember what was your first, uh, your first gambling experience? Was it a win or was it a loss? Were you raking or were you the rake? What happened? Unofficially, there's been, you know, since I was probably, I don't know about fourth grade, but probably, uh, yeah, junior high school. Um, like first exposure was, I mean, really the tournaments and I was doing fantasy football playoffs um, and starting at like, you know, like 13 um, and one. It was when the Cowboys uh, the, the beat the Bills the first time. And so unofficially then, but I, the first official bet I remember, I can recall making, and this probably wasn't it, but that I can recall was the uh, Michigan to win the Big Ten in hoops when they were sitting, this is a year they were suspect, they were off, they were not allowed to play in the tournament, right? I want to say this is like 03, 03 or 04. Yeah. yeah. 03 or 04. And yeah. they were not, they were just supposed to be to so down and they started off the season 2-0 and against two, two bottom feeding teams as well. They were no good. They got killed by Duke on the road, like everybody does earlier. And they started off conference 2-0, and then they were leading Ohio State on the road, who was better than them, not very good, but better than Michigan that year, at the half. And the, I saw the live odds were, the, the odds were still up for the future, and they were sitting at 100-1 to to win the Big Ten. And they were 2-0 and and leading at the half. So I said, you know um that was like my first like okay you know the future but i remember of course michigan all the way until uh the second to last game of the season they were leading the conference they so it would have been a it was a hundred dollar bet it didn't uh, win no they had <laughs> no they lost to illinois cinderella story <laughs> and they lost to illinois and it's funny because all the way up until that point i hated michigan as growing up and i was an illinois fan but <laughs> That's a, hey man you got another a 180 both ways yeah you got inundated into the life right the carriage turned into a pumpkin and that's kind of how the way it goes you did mention fantasy football and that's another you know that's a fun um it's a way to get your you know your beak wet because you just want to be better than your friends right that's all you want to do is just really beat yeah. your friends and kind of have that those bragging rights going through the group i do want to ask you brad uh, we're going to start it off here i want to talk a little daily fantasy with you just real quick because you know, if you Google Brad Feinberg right now, ladies and gentlemen, you will see all the DFS titles and championships. It looks like he's picked up over the last couple of years. What was it that kind of attracted you to DFS? And and let's just kind of open up the, the, the angles, some of the strategies that you like to employ that can maybe help out some listeners. Yeah, I wish I'd gotten into this even many years ago, Joey. What I remember one of my friends said, Brad, you know, you do so well in the season long leagues. Um, you should do the daily. And I, it'll be honest at the time, we're probably going back into trying, trying to think of the year, maybe 2014 area. I'm like, ah, I didn't even know if it was legitimate. I got to be honest. Is, is it real? Do they really pay you if you win? Is this thing real? And I then started doing my research and, and I, you know, I was like, all right, you know what? I'll, I'll start to try to do it. And like Scott, I've been doing the season long league since, you know, I was knee high and I loved it. It was actually a passion, something I really enjoyed. And me and Scott now compete in leagues and we have a lot of fun doing it with each other. Um, and basically, um, 
I started, I started going and I started having some success. And my best friend was like, you know what, Brad? He goes, I have an idea. He goes, you do so well with this fantasy stuff. He goes, let's maximize your abilities. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, I'm gonna, he goes, I'm gonna handle it all. You don't do anything. I'm gonna get a guy who's gonna make an algorithm that's gonna put all your work in and it's gonna give you the optimal team. Now, basically what that is, Joey, and all it's basically saying was like, remember the movie Back to the Future with Biff when he's like, uh, here's the sports almanac. The almanac, yeah. Yeah, the sports, the, the mighty sports almanac. I need a always joke about that. <laughs> but I put in my numbers and if my numbers are correct, it gives me the optimal team. So like I used to always fight, am I better off getting Patrick Mahomes at 7,800 and, you know, Derrick Henry at 9,500 or am I better off getting a cheaper quarterback? You know what I'm saying? Or a more expensive. Well, I just gave you two examples of the top guys, but I'm trying, you're trying to fit the puzzle. What's the optimal way to do it? Spending this much money on a receiver. And you're always kind of guessing what this, algorithm did was it showed me as long as my projections were accurate joey this is the team you should be using and we had a lot of success we did really really well we qualified for all their live finals we're lucky enough to win it the FanDuel in 2016 qualified for every single one and the basketball though was very 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 profitable but gosh joey the, the time it took because it, let's say it, there's a 705 starting games and at 655 you're on Roto World and it says the starting point guard is out. Well, then every team is changing, every single one, because now the backup point guard at $3,000 minimum has a huge value. You have to change everything. And at this point, I had young kids, I had a life, and it was, and then I had a bunch of followers or friends who were like addicts wanting to know who my teams were. And it was just a lot of pressure. So I really kind of just, stopped doing the basketball even though it was lucrative and profitable it was just time-wise it was a huge a huge commitment and I just do the football and I me and Scott still love talking about the football and one thing I would say is it's always good is if you respect people Joey like I respect Scott's knowledge for this stuff very very much I don't pretend that I think I know more than every single person and just you know I always try to find listen to people who I do respect and I always try to look at okay is there a player that I'm maybe not seeing like I'll throw out some names like oh is there a cheap player that you like this week and then i'll put it in my algorithm if i if the algorithm doesn't bring him up maybe i'll be like okay maybe i was too low on a certain player and i look at a couple sites i respect a couple people like scott i talk to and maybe there's a guy out there that you're missing and and that's that's what i would say to people is it's okay to to take listen to other people's opinions you don't have to think that you know every single thing you may be missing something okay it happens all the time doesn't mean you're not smart or whatnot it just means that there may be a player that you're not seeing that maybe someone can bring you upon and that and that changes the whole puzzle joey the view of one guy it changes the and scott you know this changes the entire complex of the entire team you can go from having a first place team to the last place team just by putting in one thing different it changes everything but I would say if you're doing it to win a uh, real quick thing, and I, it was, I would do the single player contest because there's people like me, they call them sharks where they'll enter every single combination, Joey, if you're trying to win the $20 millionaire maker, you know, I'm not saying it can't be done, but there's hundreds of players that are entering 150 times with more or less every single combination of every, and, and it makes it a lot harder when they have that edge. Um, so I would tell you the single player contest, in my opinion, lowers that, advantage the more seasoned players have over the players who are just trying to have a good time.
And you're bringing, that makes sense. No, absolutely. Because you're bringing up a really interesting point. And I think this is a very great lesson for the novice gambler or just someone that just wants to get involved with it in general is that you brought up something great where you're an information gatherer. I think yes. so many better people that want to be betting experts think they know the sport inside and out. And it's all this, you know, it's this ho-hum, get out of here. I know this a little bit better than you. And there's an arrogance that goes into it. And I think you can sure. get into a lot of trouble where you really have to dive into taking in all the information and trying to make the best decision that you possibly can for your lineup or for that game, or even for that half, as you had mentioned, as things become more compartmentalized. Scott, sure. I want to ask you, because this is kind of now, we're talking a little bit of in a generality here, but he was talking about daily lineups and gathering information as a philosophy. Are you take out maybe before you plug it in the algorithm, are you a matchup based guy? Or are you a hot streak guy when you're trying to handicap what a team's going to do on a week to week basis or on that one particular week, what do you kind of find yourself leaning a little bit closer to? I mean, to be honest, that, that would depend on the, the sport, right? For me, um, I will, I mean, for example, golf, I will put um, a, a more heavy emphasis on recent form, right? Just more so than, than the, the course uh, or the matchup versus a course, because that's really what, you know, who the golfer is playing against. Um, I'm still factoring in both, but I, I will go heavier on uh, re recent form golf, baseball, probably. Yep. Baseball's tough, right? Because you've got, let's just say you got Yerman Mercedes. Yeah. He's eight for his last 10. And tonight he's facing a guy who throws a curveball and against curveballs the previous year, he hit 165 against. How do you, how do you negotiate that? Because the guy is white hot right now. I'm the go. I'm, I'm, well, for, I'm also looking at other things like, uh, you know, basically a lot of the splits, like how they hit against righties, lefties, um, who they predominantly have coming out of the pen you know, depending on who the starter is, assuming he's not going to be, you know, he's not pitching all nine. Um, and so I, I will look at a, a number of things, more so matchup based in baseball than, than hot streak. Um, now, and I say this as I, I'm not a huge DFS baseball player uh, whatsoever, but I, but when I do, <laughs> Um, I'm going to go more, I'm going to try to look more at, at uh, the analytics of the matchup, um, less so on the, the current form, so to speak. Yeah, I, I'm curious because, yeah, in football, right, I think you can kind of really dig into matchups, right? A team can come in white hot and then, you know, the, the dreaded West Coast team goes to the East Coast and, you know, all of a sudden can't perform even though they won six games in a row. Brad, for you, are there any situations where you're like a let it ride guy? I mean, it goes against every number, every single model, but this one pitcher, the Jake Arrieta of 2015 or the Yerman Mercedes of a couple weeks ago, you just got to keep this guy in your lineup. Is there ever a situation like that? Well, I wanted to talk about the, the football thing real quick, Joey, is when you were talking, like for me, the most predictable thing is when you have a great running back defense for example tampa bay this year allowed like 3.2 yards per carry they didn't play tennessee this year but if they did okay you have the best running back in henry who doesn't catch the ball right i would 100 bet a prop on his under probably would have been you know they probably would have made that over under close to 90 yards as opposed to 110 yards and i would still love the under because tampa bay will not allow a 100 yard rusher they just don't i remember the eagles back when they had reggie white jerome brown clyde simmons back in the day they went five years, Joey, between allowing 100-yard rushers, 
Okay. Right. That to me is the most predictable thing is rush defense. Obviously someone can get a 80 yard run anytime. I understand that kind of, but I think sometimes people also overestimate a quote unquote shutdown corner, <laughs> shutdown corner. I mean, Jalen Ramsey this year, maybe to me was a shutdown corner, but I think a lot of guys get this reputation as being a shutdown corner. People are scared of taking these receivers against them. And I think that sometimes Julie gets really overvalued. Uh, People. Yeah, and if I may really quick, a shutdown yeah. corner versus how we're seeing completion percentages rising oh. on average throughout yeah. the NFL, that gap is slowly being widened without us even really knowing it. And that's not the cornerback skill problem. Scott, how Exactly. Yeah, I would say that's almost become like a thing of the past, uh, a true shutdown corner. Like Deion, Deion Sanders, it's, it's not like that anymore. I mean, uh, anyone, you know, the, the, the passing game and then the rules, you know, we can't touch the quarterback. Um, all, all this has had such an effect that it's mitigated well, the defenses altogether, but especially um, lockdown corners. Um, so they're, they're obviously some are much better than others, but any one of them, in my opinion, can get burned by any uh, halfway decent receiver. Yeah, the um, player, the player yeah. doesn't change, but the, the offenses and the way that we're allowing more offense in the NFL, that is, that is evolving in itself. The only it's thing not really... I would caution against in terms of if you're looking to, if you're looking down that path now is uh, if a corner is so good that he is starting, you're starting to see quarterbacks or teams avoid throwing at him altogether, you know, cause he can't catch what's not thrown to you. So that's what used to happen with Sanders. Like how many sure. times they even throw. So again, that doesn't, it's not really a thing anymore. Um, it could still come into play uh, depending on a number of things, but really yeah, I'm, I'm with you like shut down corner. Nah, who tell me name him. i don't know yeah who he yeah and, and forgive me brad i interrupted you i wanted you to continue with what you're talking about with rushing defense because i think what you're saying is you're trying to find something that you know is solid like you know defense travels is like the cliche yeah. phrase and i'm just thinking now off the top of my head you know i i can imagine there's several things in the nfl that you can kind of hang your hat on where i don't know in, in the nba right now night to night it's kind of hard to tell <laughs> who's going to show up other than shooting threes and maybe hitting the over right it's, it's amazing. Well, it's funny, you know, Joey, now 40% of the shots in the NBA are three-point attempts. It's crazy how it's changed. Look, in terms of a DFS, I never was into baseball. And here's the reason. Listen, a couple of things I will say is, as a gambler, I'd say 90, it's, this may sound counterintuitive to you, Joey, but I'd say 98% of gamblers, they don't gamble to win. They want to win, but they don't gamble to win. There's a difference. They gamble for the action because it's fun. What are you it saying about them... me right now? Are you saying I love my Chicago, my Chicago but... Cubs aren't going to score seven runs today? You're right. Nothing wrong with that. No, you're Joe, right, man. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. Like, like people go to a show, they go, they go to a movie or maybe not anymore, but you know, they go, they go to, you know, a, whatever it is, a sporting that whatever their enjoyment is, they pay money for entertainment. And yeah. some people they'll be like, you know, it's fun for me to bet $10 on who's going to win the Cubs game today. I don't care if I win, great. But one thing I've learned is whether you bet $10 or $10,000, people want to win. They, they get into it, but they don't really put in the time and they're just, they just want to say, all right, it's, it's, they want the action. Me, I can go 365 days without putting in a bet if I don't see there's value. I, I, I don't bet for action. It, it doesn't, doesn't excite me. I bet to win money. Okay. That's why I do this. I bet 100% to win money. I look, I scour every single day looking to find one bet, two bets, three bets where I see edge where I'm 54% or higher. 
okay? And it's not easy to do. It's work. Um, and with DFS, the reason I didn't like the baseball, Joey, is what I want as a better is predictability, right? I want to feel confident. Mm. Everyone would say Mike Trout is a Hall of Fame player, right? There's no, our great player. No one would say he is. How many times has he gone 0 for 4? Hundreds? How many times has LeBron James scored zero points in the game? Never. Right. When you're taking LeBron James or Patrick Mahomes in DFS, you're not going to get a complete dud ever. Well, I guess, I guess Mahomes in the Super Bowl was the closest thing, but you get my point. It, LeBron James has never had five points, two rebounds, one assist. He always gets his bad game will be 22 points, five rebounds, five assists. That'll be his floor. Like, oh my God, what happened? You draft Mike Trout for $6,000 in DFS, you can easily get an 0 for four. That's my problem with the, the baseball is that I feel a lot of times what you pay for, the one thing that's the most predictable is the pitching. Okay. That's the most predictable. And maybe the pitching, the strikeouts or whatnot, but in terms of like, and now what most people really tend to do, Joey, which turned me off was everyone just stacks a game. Okay. I'm going to Baltimore's pitching a a bad lefty or whatever. And I'm going to, I'm going to take five Yankees. And if they, you know, take the Yankees two through six hitters. And if the, if they score 11 runs, I'm going to do well. I feel like a lot of the skill level in the baseball DFS was just replaced by by just simple stacking. I, I don't feel like it was necessarily the smartest person one, but just everyone did the exact same thing. There was no originality to it, no panache. I, it just I just didn't like the way people won doing it. So I really just didn't do it because of that. I feel the basketball and the football, there's much more of a skill level. Obviously, whoever wins needs to get lucky that certain day. Let me make that clear. Everyone who wins gets fortunate that day that things went their way. But I think there's more skill, in my opinion, in trying to say, okay, for example, that Derrick Henry example we gave, I'm not taking Derrick Henry against Tampa Bay because they allow so few and he doesn't catch catch the ball. Now, conversely, maybe if it was Alvin Kamara and you'd say, you know what? Okay, I don't think Kamara is going to get his 65 yards he really gets. But you know what? Instead of getting six catches, I think he may get 11. So I'm actually going to go contrarian. People may fade him because he's going against Tampa Bay. I'm going to take him. And if that's a right take by you, to me, that's a skillful take. So for those reasons, I'm not as much into the baseball, Joey. I really prefer the other sports. Yeah, and in regards to like uh, the the Kamara comparison, you know, maybe it's that situation where he is the offense. You just know volume volume touches alone is going to help maybe give you a little bit of a better shot as opposed to Derrick Henry. Who's a guy that might not be able to catch the ball, and yet you're 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 hitting me to the hitting me to the heart, and it's very instructive for me because personally, and this is just me, you know, when I play fantasy football with my friends, every single year, I somehow end up with Chicago Bears on my team. You know what I mean? Like it's just a couple of drinks, a couple of drinks later, everyone does the tequila shot in the sixth round, and the next thing I know, oh hey, you know, look, Jimmy Graham's my my tight end now. Look what I've done. And then the other thing that I do is. I've never ever in my entire life drafted a Green Bay Packer on my fantasy team. I never have. I never will. Detriment. Maybe I sleep a little bit better at night. But again, like like you're saying, you know, this is where I'm doing this for the love and it's the passion right. the head and the heart and stuff. And maybe not necessarily looking for value. And maybe that's exactly what I should be doing. Scott, just hop in real quick and give your quick thoughts on, you know, just daily fantasy and baseball as opposed to probably why you like football just a little bit more in terms of making a daily fantasy lineup. Well, I mean, Brad pretty much hit on everything about baseball is that every, all the, the, when you win big in it, it's always, you know, it's a stack from one game. That's the only way that it, it happens. One game, 
and maybe like, you know, you, you get it right with a handful of others. If you ever try putting together a lineup where you're looking at numbers and you get come up with diff, got different guys and different teams in a single night, you will never win. It's, you will never win. Never. Because you may hit, be, hit, be brilliant, but Mike Trout goes over four and Nolan Arenado goes over four. And then maybe a couple guys get some hits and you're all, it's never going to happen. So it's just about this one game. And even from them, and then it's just about a number, it's just a volume because you do different combos from the one game. And then you're going to want to look for, you know, a lot of times people just pick from like, there's so, so many obvious games and the numbers would support it. Okay. There's gonna be a lot of score, run score. This is where I want my bats. However, um, then it's just a matter of like, not even the analytics don't make sense. Just pick a game that, that normally would be like, oh, the, you know, the Tigers and the, the Indian zone is going to score. I mean, not, not, man, maybe not necessarily those teams, but something that doesn't stand out so you can go contrarian because it happens all the time where there's games. I mean, look at the Braves last night. I mean, they score, but Max, I mean, Max Freed got lit up. I mean, lit up. So there's games that aren't obvious. Those are the ones that win, but there's no, like Brad said, it takes the, the skill and an, the analytics and the time you put in really are out the window and it's just basically landing on the right game and getting the right combo that day. And then, I don't know, it's just, it, to me, I, 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 I don't have a passion for that. So that, that's why I don't really mess with it. Let's switch it over to the NFL draft. Um, not saying that you guys are maybe going to get involved in that or anything, but I do kind of want to ask you a little bit. It's, it's, it's going to be a really interesting draft. The Chicago Bears are going to be involved one way or the other, maybe more involved than some Bears fans would like if they trade up a whole bunch of first-round picks to get one of these quarterbacks. Scott, we're going to come back to you first real quick. Let's just start at the top. Let's just keep this really simple. I sure. see different odds out there for, you know, Trevor Lawrence is 50-1, to 33-1 to 1 to have the number two pick. Yeah. Is, is that chum in the water? Is that for Vegas or is that for the, the newbie better out there to not take that bet? Is there any chance Trevor Lawrence does not go number one? Uh, no. What would you say? 50 to 1, 33 to 1? I've seen 50 to 1 at some places. I've seen 33 to 1 at some places. It seems pretty lock and key. There's just no other way around it. I mean, that's just out there to tempt people, right? I, I 100%. That is a i mean i would call that a, a sucker bet it's enticing because i mean it's it's one i mean you're like one dude if it's not him look at the odds i'm getting but it's him so <laughs> that's i mean i'm not betting that I, there's no amount of money that that i mean that i could potentially win that i it's gonna excite me because it's just the reality is it's not gonna happen now if he doesn't go first well, I'll eat crow, but he's going fucking first. He's going fucking first. I mean, yeah, it, I don't like, I, I do have others that I like, but I don't want to, you know, touch on that unless, you know, you, you want me to highlight any. Of well, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's dive into a little bit. I just, I'm just kind of like, I want to pull up some values and maybe talk about some things that you guys would in theory, like, I mean, it feels like everyone's saying Trevor Lawrence is one. Zach Wilson is two. Number three is a bit of a mystery box, even though a lot of people think that the, the picture of Mac Jones is kind of being painted in there a little bit. I mean, there are some interesting values. I mean, at number three for San Francisco, I see Justin Fields at two to one, you know, a Trey Lance at plus 470. Uh, you know, Brad, are any of these values to you kind of sticking out a little bit? I mean, this isn't, is this as locked in as everyone says it is? Well, first, the chances of Trevor Lawrence going to are the chances of Scott Sang having a master's green jacket and winning the master's. You know, I, well, wait a second. Oh, You're oh, telling oh. me there's a chance. <laughs> that both. I've done one of those things. I, having the jacket and winning the master's. I haven't uh, needed them both. 
there, there's no listen I, I bet that i just put in joey today which i loved and in my research i loved it um it's funny it opened up last night at a minus 150 i just got it at minus 225 i like this all the way up to minus 800 quite frankly they took the bet down when i put it in though will there be more players drafted in the sec or in the acc in the first round and i've looked at probably 20 mock drafts from people i respect and the average sec joey i usually see around 12 to 14 sec players going in the first round i've seen anywhere between four and five players in the acc going in the first round this is a bet where if I lose it, I want you to laugh at me. I want you to make fun of me. I want you to do whatever you want to do to me. Because be to me, to have you back something, yeah, I hate saying something is free money, but this is a bet I would probably put, I don't say this lightly, I'd probably bet 20% of my net worth on it. Because I think this is so mispriced. Um, I don't understand how, I mean, I'm sure I'll find out how I'll lose it. But I, I Tim, look, the whole thing, Joey, and last year, I think I bet 12 things in the NFL draft. I won 11 and one. And that's not because I'm good. That's because I'm trying to glean information from others. Like what I talk about, I have no ego. I don't know this stuff, but I, I trust others who do know it. And that is their job. And I'm following their information. And I have contacts of people that will tell me stuff. And I'm listening to what they have to say. Um, from what I do understand from, from people who have had some contact with Shanahan. I don't know, you know, what not, but I do think that Mac Jones is the most likely third pick in the draft. He's minus 200. You can get right now. But to me, the real great bet was when he was getting, he opened up his old runner was eight and a half. And I, you could have had under eight and a half for Mac Jones. And I, now um, I see it. It's three and a half now. So yeah, it's exactly. It's, it's right exactly. there. So, and, 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 and it's, you know, so I would say, as the draft gets closer, Joey, there'll be more information where these sports books, here's the thing, they're managing their NBA card. They're managing the baseball card. They're managing the NHL card. The NFL draft is not their end-all be-all, right? That's just part of their sports book management. But if you make it your goal, again, I say you either bet to win or you bet to have fun. If you're really betting to win, keep looking at these mock drafts, see if information changes. For example, let's suppose we hear that Jamar Chase is a lock to go at five or a lock to go at four to the Falcons or six to the, to the Dolphins. Here's a run right now, six and a half. And you, if you see something that you really feel like Adam Schefter's reporting that he's very confident, he's going to go six to Miami and the over under six and a half, you can make a max bet on under six and a half or vice versa. You heard he's falling for whatever reason. He has a, a hip injury that was undetected. Now, you know, then you can bet the over six and a half. I would really just be on top of it because Joey, if you are, I guarantee you, you will have a better chance of making money doing the NFL draft than any games you ever will bet because these are not in, these are not efficient numbers, right? Like when you, when the, when the, when the bulls are playing the Raptors, it's an efficient number. When the bears are playing the Packers, it's an efficient number. Where are certain players going to be drafted is crazy inefficient. It's guesswork. And you, yeah. Well, fluid thing. You can imagine. That's exactly right, Scott. Look, Scott, me and Scott were just this weekend. We entered a DK uh, contest for golf. Scott picked out a great team credit to him, and we ended up winning. But I, he can attest to it. He has the text messages to show 69,000 times. Like, all right, we lost. What can you do? <laughs> and, and it really does change constantly. And the NFL draft is no different. So I would say be on top of the information, Joey. And if you are. There is 
no way you will lose. None. Zero. Scott, just talk about some of your favorite values for this upcoming NFL draft. Anything really sticking out to you right now that has you interested? Uh, funny that you would ask it because as I was, it kind of hit me that realized that uh, Brad is like finds these unbelievably smart bets, but he really uh, finds great value in uh, things that, I mean, it makes sense that, that are, you're going to, your payouts are, are going to be a lot smaller. You're going to have to put up a hundred to win, you know, 20 bucks, but that's, I mean, that's smart because those are the types of things that are more likely to happen. Whereas I like to look for more because for the fun of it and like that, that shiny object of going for a big hit. So um, I like Brad's uh, way, but I, I don't have the bankroll to really do a dent in it like that. So uh, betting the other way. So what I looked at was um, I have a couple things like, so I'm thinking everybody's talking about Zach Wilson, number two, right? Overall, of course, that's highly likely to happen. He's overwhelming favorite, but the jets, they do weird stuff all the time where like, you know, they throw in, you know, they may throw you off. All it takes is for them to say one of these other quarterbacks and everybody's all over the place with who they like, how you rank them. Right. So of course it's most likely to be Wilson, but I'm seeing at least what I saw at least as of a couple hours ago was that, you know, fields, uh, fields at 16 to one to go second and Lance at 25 to one. So when you're telling me that Trevor Lawrence is you know, 33 to one to not go first, I would rather have somebody like Lance or um, excuse me, or fields to go second at 25 or 16 to one um, than the Trevor Lawrence thing, which just isn't going to happen. Of course, Zach Wilson's probably going to go second, but he's nowhere in the same universe as the assurity that Trevor Lawrence is going number one. And so for that same reason, I also like to swing that into, because I like to see how the domino effect is. Well, guess what? I'm going to put a bet in this way. I'm going to bet Fields. I'm going to bet Lance to go second. Guess Because guess what? Lawrence going first. So if one of those guys goes second, everyone's saying, well, now maybe, well, Wilson, he could go third. I'm getting 20. Right now I'm seeing 20 to one Wilson going third overall. So let, like I'm saying, that if it's going to happen, I want to bank it on both. So I was gonna say, you just need one, you need one shakeup and then all of a sudden everything kind of falls into place. I'm not saying that in the house. I'm just saying you can make some damage and it's not the most unbelievable thing to me. Now, Brad will probably say poo-poo on it in a second when he says, listen, I have some really good intel here that says it's probably not worth your time. But th those are the types of things that I look for. I, I like that. Um, and then, um, you know, this, I, the same type of thing, like first uh, running back drafted, first wide receiver. I mean, I see, I'm strictly picking the numbers. I see ETN, first running back drafted at plus 150, and Harris, Najee Harris at minus 150. Half the things I'm seeing, I mean, most of them, I'm seeing ETN go first. When we're talking about a running back that far down in the draft, nobody can give me enough solid information to say, like, that is... That's that's crazy to not bet, you know, to bet it this way or that way. So hey, give me give me ETN at, at a, a, a plus one fifty. Yeah, another interesting one too is I'm seeing Devonte the over under on Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle is both eleven and a half, and you have to figure one of those is probably at least going to go over, right? It's just a little bit of a matter of what you think, you know, which which guy that might be. Brad, hop in. I want to say something real quick, Scott. One of the guys I work with that was 
one of his favorite bets was ETN. He got, you could, I look, you could actually get plus 225. Same exact logic you said. I think Najee Harris is a better player, but that's my opinion. Again, but the thing is, my opinion means nothing. Your opinion is not, it, it's what the scouts think. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah. And you're right, there have been enough that have put ETN right there above Najee Harris. And if you're getting plus 225 on something, he only has to win that bet about 30% of the time for you to be profitable. Okay. So, there's probably is value with that. And again, one of the guys I work with who's incredibly sharp, that was one of his favorite bets. Another bet I really did like, Joe, I wanted to give your listeners was how many players we drafted from Alabama? Not in the first round, just how many players. The over-under was 11 and a half. From my research, I came up with 13 players I thought were locks to be drafted and two 50-50s. So I would have made this over-under 13 and a half. I think over 11 and a half players from Alabama to be drafted is an incredible bet because uh, again, I think it's either going to be 14, 15 or six, you know, 14 or 15. And to me, uh, 11 and a half, that gives me nice cushion in case something uh, were to, you know, if I were to be wrong or whatnot. And I, I think there's real value in Alabama over 11 and a half. God, that's, that's really uh, <laughs> that's a great piece of information there. Yeah. In terms of the running backs, everything that I continue to read seems like, you know, Najee Harris, I think, you know, the Steelers seem to be looking at him. Maybe he's 25. Yeah. I've seen some mock drafts there. But other than that, it's kind of a little bit of a toss-up. So all it takes is for one player, or I'm sorry, one team to hop on ATN, or just the Steelers don't take Najee, and you can right. easily probably win that bet, and then you're kind of involved there. Not to switch gears, but I want to stay on the NFL. I've always wanted to ask this question to, to gambling experts like yourselves. When is the best time of year to place a bet on your respective teams over under on wins for the next season, because it sort of feels like right now, right? Because we don't know where these quarterbacks are going to land. We don't know what blue chip player a or blue chip player B is going to end up in what different situation. And it seems like right now, this is probably the, the best time to get in on the bears right now, or I think it's seven wins or whatever, but if they traded four first round picks and got into the top three and had Justin Fields, you think that line would be adjusted. Brad, when is the best time to get on win totals in the NFL? Joey, great question by you. And and the answer is very simple. Almost all of my season win bets are bet immediately when they're posted. Reason being, that's when they're going to be least efficient. Okay. Today in April, they're not going to be as efficient as they are come September when all the information is known. Then those lines are rock solid. I bet 21 over-unders last year. I went 21 for 21, not winning the bet, but I went 21 for 21 in terms of I beat the number in all 21. All 21 moved at least a half game in the side that I thought was off. So I would say, yes, bet it now because there's a much better chance, Joey, that the information is not being accounted for properly. And if you like it also, if you'd like a team to win the Super Bowl, you know, the same kind of thing. These odds usually always tend, if you like the Bears to win the Super Bowl at 101 or whatever they are, the odds you always just tend to go down. These sports book aren't generous. We're like, oh, let's raise it. Let's raise these teams. No, usually it's a one-way street where they're always just going down, 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 down. So I would jump on it immediately. Now, the only other time it's different, Joey, is if you get information like Chicago and me and Scott talked about this you know, before, like if there was rumor, rumors are going to get Russell Wilson and you want to take a shot. Okay, gosh, I really think, you know what? Maybe they're going to get Russell Wilson right now. The Bears are 50 to one. If they don't get them, I still don't mind the bet. If they do get them, they're going to go to like 15 to one. Let me do it now. But yeah, right now, the earlier, the better, because as we get closer to the season, Joey, lines are much more efficient. You're 100% right. Now would be the best time. And you're bringing up a great point too, Brad, because I, 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 do, have, I do have a little intel that, you know, the Russell Wilson situation isn't 
dead, but it is on life support in terms of this season specifically next season, moving forward. I think it's definitely something that can be revisited for sure from a bears perspective, but again, you know, yeah, if they made that trade tomorrow, that, that win total on the bears would not be seven, it would jump up immediately. And then you'd be in, you'd be probably feeling pretty good about yourself. Scott, just hop in on, you know, the time of year right now in terms of betters getting in on some of these teams and their win totals. It's a fact that uh, we talked, I mentioned the word fluidity, like the, the swings on the odds that you want to get it when they're the least efficient, because if you can pin, you know, you're able to pinpoint like odds are going to change. And, and this is not just applicable to football. I think this is for everything, everything, golf too, everything. Um, they're the closer you get to the season, the more locked in they are. So you're looking for that edge on something. You say, wow, this team is um, getting, you know, is getting 30 to one odds today. But uh, honestly, I think they're going to do make some moves here. I like, I mean, they got a lot of money to spend. Um, you, you, you know, there's who's out there. Okay. I mean, this is a team that I could see going down to, to 12 to one, you know, like by in, in a matter of, and it could be in a matter of days, so you want to get in there before the, the free agency frenzy starts rolling. I mean, basically, as Brad said, the early the earliest that you could possibly bet a future bet is when you want to look at it and try to get those those bets down uh, before you know players start moving around. Um, and I think you know baseball is is more um, you can do a better job with predicting who's going to sign with whom uh, more so than in some of those other sports. Uh, but it's the same thing for everything. I mean, you definitely want to get in there um, early because that's when you're gonna you're gonna find your better, you know, your your values. And like Brad said, you went 21 for 21 in getting the best um, the, the, when the bets, you know, the odds were at their, their their heights for what you whatever you bet it. When, when the Mets had their new owner Steve Cohen, the day the day after the World Series ended, and I literally mean the day after, I knew Steve Cohen from having read about him. The Mets were not going to be the Mets under the Fred Wilpon. Okay, they were going to spend. Now, I didn't know who they were going to get. I didn't know it was, they actually didn't even get George Springer or JT Romuto. They came very close to getting Trevor Bauer. But I made the Mets my all-in bet saying, this team is going to spend. Now, they ended up training for Carlos Carrasco. They signed Jamie McCann. They get Francisco Lindor. Had an amazing smash-it-off season. And that's something you're able to – the sports folks were slow on. And yeah. the, when I'm betting this the day after the year, and saying, I got the Brooklyn Nets huge odds right after the NBA season. Because, okay, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant will be there. They're not going to realize this is going to be an elite team. Got 15 to 1 on them. Now they're down to, like, almost even odds. You can get, if you do it the day of, and you have your work done, you know, Joey, you can be ahead and beat these sports books. But betting the individual games or something like that, all these lines are efficient. But a future, when it's first posted, you can clearly get edge, Joey. It happens all the time. That's a great point too, because now you're talking about the human element or now yes. you're gathering information. You know, people are like, well, I don't have my own algorithm. What I do? Well, you can also do the work and gather information different ways. And we're talking about obviously doing the work, reading up on not just what's on ESPN, but go to the actual team's website and see what those beat reporters are talking about. Exactly. And then as you mentioned, kind of seeing where the tenor of a franchise is probably heading or maybe not heading, you know, Minnesota Timberwolves, 
you know, looks like they're going to be bringing in new ownership in the next couple of years. Yeah. I'm not saying run to the window right now on the T-Wolves, but maybe in four or five years, they could be an organization that you can kind of peg because now they have fresh blood in there and they're going to really kind of go for it. Let's take a quick break to talk about our brand new sponsor, Just Live, a trusted source for high quality wellness CBD products created by athletes just for you. Now look, during this crazy time, maybe you're trying to get more sleep. Maybe you're trying to work on your energy. You're trying to protect your immune system. That's why Just Live came out with their brand new CBD gummy line. They have six different flavors, sleep, energy, focus, immunity, calm, and vitamin C. They're vegan and low sugar, plus they're founded by professional athletes, Clay Thompson, Alex Morgan, Travis Pastrana, and Paul Rodriguez, because they wanted to create a CBD product that they could trust and they could stand behind. It is finally here. So if you need support with sleep, focus, energy, stress, or immune health, I highly recommend giving these a try. And right now, if you buy one of their new gummy products, you get one free. That's right. There are six different benefits to choose from instead of just choosing one. Visit JustLive.com and use code SUPPORT to buy one, get one free. That's right. Buy one, get one free of the new gummies in line with the code SUPPORT at JustLive.com. Now, back to the pod. I just wanted to follow up real quick and finish up on the NFL. Scott, put on your GM hat. I'm not saying you're Ryan Pace. You're smarter than him. You've won the Masters, so I'm not trying to insult you here, okay? But what what do you want the Bears to do at 20? Do you want them to move up? Do you want them to stay put? Do you want them to trade back? And if they do stay put at 20, is there a particular player or a type of player you'd like them to take? Well, if they if they stay at 20, I would like for them to draft an O-lineman. Best big, big nasty dude, right? They've largely ignored putting talent or, or, or capital or just drafts like into that position for far too long. And it's critical. I mean, half the guys that you think are great um, wouldn't be so great if they didn't have lines protecting them as well as they do. Um, Tom Brady, if he would have been drafted by the Bears, we would probably remember. Oh, wasn't that a guy like a backup for a little bit on Michigan years ago? Like, I'm not even kidding. You can say the same thing about Mahomes. Drew Henson? <laughs> That's what I would like them to do. Here's the catch-22 about it. I want a quarterback. It's the most critical position in sports. There are lots of ones this year that I think have looked really good with, with ceilings. And you could almost say that every year. But really this year, I, I do feel strong about it. But then again, who's running the team? The man that you fake compared me to, Ryan Pace. And who's above him? You know, it's a mom-and-pop shot. They They – and who's developing a Matt Nagy? Uh, what's that quarterback? And you know what's going to come about? Because, what can these guys do with him? He had his shot when he traded two third round picks and a fifth round pick to move up one slot. Because God forbid Ryan Pace gets stuck with having to, you know, the choice of ugh, Mahomes and Watson because he really wanted Trubisky. That's a fireable offense. I don't want this guy near a, a doing this again. He shouldn't have that opportunity. So it's like, I would be like excited if we traded up and got some quarterback, but then it's probably not the smart. St- yeah. The sticker price on, on moving up, part. you know, moving up more than 10 picks is going to be crazy. They make that move. It's like, again, it's your, your, that's your five-year plan now or whatever, four years, five years. And that's what you're with. And it, and it pigeons holds them. I don't trust their ability to do anything with these guys. I think they're going to be out of there after they suck this season. Um, and they're not going to do a good job with it. They don't know what they're doing. Um, I just don't. So I guess really, I think I just talked myself into doing as sexy as it sounds to maybe trade up for one of these, uh, these, these, these quarterbacks. I, 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 I think overall the bears. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't want this regime touching him, touching the yeah. quarterback. 
Give me the meat boy. Give me the meat boy. Yeah, Brad, there's a stat running around right now that the Bears haven't drafted an offensive tackle. They've drafted guards, not offensive tackle, in the first two rounds since 2011. If you can make a if you can make a guess right now, where do you think the Bears are probably mentally, and where do you think they might uh, what direction they might go in the draft? Yeah, well, look, you know it's interesting with Ryan Pace again. I always say the best players in sports get a play, right? LeBron James gets to prove every night he's one of the best players. Kevin Durant, uh, Patrick Mahomes, all the guest players always get a chance to play. But if anyone thinks that the best 30 general managers in the world are the 30 general managers in the NFL team, oh my God, I don't know if they're the best 300,000, okay? <laughs> no, I'm not even joking. I'm not saying yeah, that as a joke. I, I, it's I, true. I there, there's there's politics and then there's paying dues and all that other stuff. 100%. And, you know, to me, I actually agree with what Scott said. He's getting, Ryan Pace is getting paid millions of dollars a year to do it right, Okay his job was to bring in the talent. And when he drafted Mitchell Trubisky, that was a five-year setback. Now they had the one year where he was, their defense was that good. Okay. When they lost to Philadelphia in the double doink game, but this is a team to me. And again, I will give, I will give credit. I, when I watched Montgomery run earlier, um, I really wasn't impressed, but he actually really obviously played well down the stretch. He had like one of the best fantasy really running good. backs in the game. Yeah. yeah the they, were, they were really good. I, I didn't know if I, Still not sure if I if he's a dynamic enough talent, but I will say this, and me and Scott actually talked about this. Their offensive line has just been a real sore spot, and I did not know that stat you just said, Joey. That's a heck of a stat, not in a good way. You know, it's like building a hotel on the foundation. You know, you have to have, like, you have to have the offensive line, or it makes everything else look better. And um, I certainly don't think you can lose that way because it really isn't going to be the quarterback to take. They obviously need a quarterback. And to me, the Bears, this whole year, they're just sticking a Band-Aid on the season, right? Andy Dalton is a Band-Aid, okay? Uh, you know it. I know it. I'm not saying every Bears fan knows it. If they make the playoffs, to me, it'll kind of be somewhat lucky because Andy Dalton, to me, is clearly a bottom seven starting quarterback in the NFL, and I may even be charitable when I say that. So I would say unless they make a bold move to go up in the draft, I think getting offensive linemen would make a lot of sense because this is a team that hasn't addressed it in so long. And they're going to need that for the new quarterback, whoever the new guy is really going to be. So I would think from a organizational standpoint, Joey, that would probably make the most sense to me. And, and I'm in agreement with you guys. It's not sexy, but it's what I would like to happen. There's two things that I kind of think about this whole situation that I think people are kind of missing a little bit. There's a lot of people that say, why haven't they fired Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy yet? And then you hear this this mantra that, you know, in the offseason, McCaskies, they like to talk to like the Steelers organization and the Roonies. They're trying to figure out how those great organizations get their job done. And here's the thing is, I think McCaskey, the McCaskies, they're not even looking at it in terms of like X's and O's and they play this wins and loss crap out there to the fans. I just think they want stability. I think they think if they keep pacing the job by year 10, 12, 15 or whatever, he'll get good at it. I truly believe that that is their version of stability by keeping him in that place. And the more that we keep moving the deck chairs and Phil Emery in and Mark Tressman in John Fox in, and all that stuff, they don't think that that's good for business. So that's why they keep on a pace around. I will say though, that we are at the point now you, you brought up kind of the foundation of a house analogy, which is so great where I'm going to kind of get this wrong. Right. But like your house sucks, but at the very least you can change the pipes, right? You can kind of sure. dig out for the next year and I think it starts with that offensive line. And if you want, 
if you want the Chicago Bears to be open for business for a franchise quarterback, I think the number one thing that you need probably is an offensive line that is mean, nasty, talented, deep, and interesting. And a quarterback looks at that and says, hey, I see a window there. Now, the Bears at 20, they're like, you know, rumored for Kadarius Toney, Rashad Bateman, some really interesting, cool receivers. The only thing that I would say to that is a guy like Russell Wilson will have his list of guys that he wants to play with at the receiver position already when he gets traded over to the Bears. So I don't think receiver needs to be that that piece that entices a franchise quarterback to want to come to Chicago. I think it's those big dudes up front, and you can keep playing this game of, hey, the defense is a good couple years, squeeze a couple more years out of it. And I just think they need to position themselves so by next year people walk in the house and they go, oh, wow, this is great. Holy shit, your toilet flushes. This is fantastic. The hot yeah. water is running. You know what I mean? And actually, maybe you can kind of get it back on board like that. Um, Brad, we're going to go to you first, and then I want to hear from you, Scott, as well. But I just want to talk about the Chicago Bulls for a second. Can yeah. you help explain to me the Chicago Bulls? I've watched almost every single game <laughs> here, and yet at the same time, I can't figure it out. I'm just going to read off some stuff here real quick. Um, you know, they're 28 and 24 and 1 against the spread this year. They're 18 and 9 against the spread on the road. In terms of over-unders, you know, they've just, they've been terrible at home this season. They're 10-16 just in general at home this year. But 26-27 and 27 over-under, 11-15 over-under at home. You know, right now they're trying to get into that playoff game. You know, their over-under for the season is 28.5. I think they're sitting at 22 right now. I cannot figure out this team on a nightly basis. So what is your take on that? Is that a stay away or is there anything at all that Bulls fans could glom when they go to the window to maybe put a dollar on the Bulls? Yeah, no, the, it's so funny you should say that, Joey. The Bulls have clearly been a team. I've overrated them in my own betting. I keep thinking they're probably a little better than they have been. And they've mixed things around. Like, first of all, I'll say this, Zach Levine, when I was announcing the Sixer games, uh, when I watched him, I was so impressed. With, I mean, I think he's actually a very talented guy. He's like, gone and up he's a really, level. I think he's gone up a level, which I'm happy to see. And I thought he had it in him. And I've always, again, I, I applaud them for the Vucevic deal. Um I thought it was a bold move that was worth taking a shot on. I think you got to give it some time. Now they were playing the Colby white with Zach Levine. And now they've kind of put Colby white a little on the back. I think this team, the whole Laurie marketing thing to me is also very strange. As a guy who lives in Philadelphia, what happened with Carson Wentz, you know, he looked like Carson Wentz was going to be not only a good player, but an MVP potential guy. And now you see what happened with him. Not comparing Laurie Marketing was going to an MVP, but I got to ask you, Joey. It seemed like just even two years ago, he was, you know, with the seventh pick in the draft, had a really good first couple of years. Looked like he was on the verge of if not being an all star, pretty close and certainly a foundational piece to this team. Now, when I watch this team, I don't know if it's a confidence issue with him and he's just kind of just lost it or he's just not being put in the right spots to succeed. But to me, with this team, I think they need a guy like him, or if not him, like just to go with Levine and even Vucevic. I think they need a third, real, real foundational player for this thing to take off. I do like what the Bulls are doing. I do think the Bulls are on the right path, and I do think this is a team that going forward can be 500 plus. I really do believe that because I'm a big believer in both Levine and Vucevic, but. The thing that I'm, and someone, you know, you and Scott have watched the team a lot more than me. I'm curious, well, you know, I know they've been playing the veteran like Daddy is showing, but that's just, that's not getting you to heaven. Do you think that their guy, whether it's Kobe White or Laurie Markkinen, will be there for this team? And obviously they don't have that big 
you know, that, that third guy, do you see it, Joey, that, that can get them to where they need to be? Well, so uh, let's just talk about Lori for a second. You know, in my opinion, I completely agree with you for a couple of years ago. And what I saw from a player from Lori Markkinen was I saw a rim runner. I saw the guy that didn't mind using his elbows in the paint. I saw a guy that didn't mind putting the ball on the floor and then going up with the, with the jump shot. And for whatever yeah. reason, the boiling offense kind of changed him and he turned into that spot up shooter. And now with Billy Donovan, everything was going to change, but here's what I'll say since they moved him to the bench, I really liked the bench move. I thought he would have okay. been a great six man gets the ball in his hands a little bit more. It's a little bit, not, I'm not saying isolation basketball, but he can be a little bit more creative with his offensive game. And I've just seen kind of a passiveness to his game at times. And there's a part of me just a little bit. He's coming up for RFA in the summer and the guy when he gets in the paint, I, I he puts in a good effort, but I think he's just kind of worried. A couple injuries here and there. His injuries have been kind of fluky. What he's had a shoulder, he's had an elbow. All of them kind of inflicted on the court, and they're not necessarily like soft muscle issues. I'm just kind of wondering if he's just, hey, let's just be easy here. Maybe make a couple of threes. I don't have to get in there and bang with the big boys a little bit. And I will say that with RFA, Someone dumb like the Sacramento Kings is going to offer him $70 million and he's not worth $70 million. I'd love to have him for 50. You know, these, these are NBA numbers, you know what I mean? But like, yeah, yeah, I'd love yeah, to have yeah. him for 50, but the 70 probably won't, won't get it done. So I don't know. I can't be honest with you. I like him as a player. I just don't know if we can pay that kind of money and he can be a part of the Bulls future moving forward, because I really thought this bench move was going to kind of open him up a little bit. And I just don't know if it's happened. Scott, what's what's your take on Laurie Markkinen and maybe the Bulls in general? I, I, I agree with you, Joey. I, I think that Markkinen is, um, he wants to get that, uh, you know, that Sacramento Kings offer for 70, right? And he's definitely, I mean, every, every year, the last, what, three years, he's had extended, you know, relatively lengthy absences, getting hurt. He also knows, like, you know, where are the Bulls going? They've been, I mean, they've been directionless this entire time that he's been there. Um, they haven't been winning games. They've been losing. I think he's just kind of like, let me just make it through the season, do what I need to do to just stay, you know, not get, you know, suffer serious injury and see what I, you know, if I can get, you know, that, that big money and go any, you know, go somewhere else. Great. I don't think he gives, gives a shit about being with the bulls. Of course, when I say this, and this is maybe biased, but I, I, I don't think that's unique to marketing. I just think that's just the NBA today. It's the stars marketed league. There's the teams, the cities, like there's no identity guys. are just, it's musical chairs and defense anymore. And I don't want to play it. Anyways, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to shit on the, the NBA, but um, I just think, yeah, he's probably of that mindset of whatever, man, I, let me, I'll get mine done matter. And I don't think that makes him unique in that regard. I think you're, that's a, you're bringing up a really great point too, where, you, you said the word directionless and the bulls have been directionless and Lori marketing's career has been a bit directionless. Right. And this is kind of what happens when you have a talented player who's probably a really nice guy, but maybe he doesn't have like that little tiny motherfucker in him. Right. Yeah. And they're on a bad team and he's just trying to fit in and he's just trying to do the right things. Boylan comes in. Hey, I'll stand in the corner. I'll be the nice guy. I'll just play the offense. And now he's, at the beginning of his career, I would see these little one-step floaters that looked like Dirk Nowitzki, and now he's looking more like Andreas Bargnani, you know what I mean? Just a guy that's kind of in the corner, you know, hitting an open jumper, maybe getting involved in the paint a little bit. But what, I think he had zero points the other night or something like that, yeah. four points. And that's what I, I'm having a hard time with these Chicago Bulls because they make that trade, they lose seven in a row. 
you go, okay, they're trying to get their bearings a little bit. They come back. I think they win three or four in a row, they and did. now they've lost to the Hawks. And now what? They lost to the T-Wolves the other night. Or I'm sorry, they lost yeah. to the Grizzlies. Yeah. And now I'm just kind of like, who is this team? You know, they're, they're, they've been great for the over, right? Point total over has been, it was been a fantastic boon for them. I know a lot of my friends that have made a pretty little coin hitting them all year. And against the spread, they've been pretty decent. But in terms of down the stretch and whether they make the playoffs, I have no idea. And if they what make the playoffs, Kobe White, you're talking 10. Like, I, I, I still yeah. like, I still like Kobe White personally. Um, I think again, he's 20 years old, right? But he's right. a bench, he's a bench guy, right? Yeah. He's a sixth, seventh, he's a Lou Williams, he's a bench. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not and yeah, you can make great money in the league and you can yeah. come in and you can score points. I have I like been the Lou Williams comp. Yeah, Joey, I've been disturbingly I've been disturbingly yeah. strange about his ball handling though. His ball handling is some of the most atrocious I had ever seen for a backcourt player that I have in a while. I hope that he can improve that because the turnovers, the needless fouls and stuff, he just plays himself out of games. Uh Scott hop in and then Brad hop back in. Oh, I was gonna say about Kobe White is uh he's uh, he's an instant offense off the, the bench is why I see him be- as a his best fit. Um I mentioned the Vinnie Johnson, the microwave. Um you know, or even like a Ben Gordon, just someone who really uh, gets is real streaky, but when he gets it going, can just you know he can just fire off. He can go seven of ten from three any given night, um, and he can score. He's athletic. You know, he's quick. You know, reckless with the ball, defensively, whatever. Uh, so I think that he's a he's a guy that like fits perfectly for. Um, and Brad mentioned I think what you said, Lou Williams, one of those guys, or even like a Jamal Crawford. Um, I, this is my bench. This is where I'm getting, you know, points off the bench potentially uh, any night, but, but also can just go get hot and win a game for me um, out there just from just filling it up scoring wise. And that's, that's really about it, but that's, that's, that's a valuable thing to have in the NBA. So, yeah. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with it. I think what's happening in a little bit is the bulls and especially bulls fans are like, Hey, we like this team a lot, but you really have to be honest with yourself and say how many of these guys are going to be in an eight-man rotation in the second round of the playoffs, and it's the game. The series is tied at two to two. And are you really going to be able to count on these guys? And you mentioned Thad Young. We just kind of have too many of those rotational yeah. guys. I don't think we have too many of those important vital cogs. Where you know, if that if it's a Thad Young, Laurie Market, and Kobe White bench, and you have a starting five that you really believe in. Now you're talking. But I think a lot of these guys are probably a little ahead of their skis of what we're expecting from them, production-wise. And therefore, that's why we're probably still in that area where we're a little bit short. Scott, hop back in. Yeah, and I was going to say, and then what are you going to do when you, you work this and you get this team and now all of a sudden the New Jersey Nets and the Lakers, because every year there's some, you know, there's a couple teams that just stack, you know, a half a dozen guys that are, uh, could be the best player on your squad. Um, well, the Bulls, the Bulls. Like, and, well, a, and a star actually coming to Chicago and daring to play in Michael Jordan's shadow is a time for another pod, my friend. And that pod is going to need many drinks. It's going to need many, <laughs> many drinks because I try and explain to a lot of people that the whole vibe of why you wouldn't play in Chicago because you don't want to like uh, you don't want to play in Jordan's shadow or whatever. Get, guess what? Bulls fans, we don't care anymore. We really don't care. We're not going to hold it against you. Just come here and win. The T-Mac, the Tim Duncan, the LeBron, the D-Wade, the Carmelo Anthony, the countless amount of players, Hall of Fame players, that have visited the Chicago Bulls as a prospective free agent and not signed there. You know, at some point, someone's going to have to have the balls to want to come in and do it. I think 
I think that's more of an NBA uh, legacy issue than a Bulls thing at this time now. Because Possibly. Michael Jordan is a mythical figure that that was actually real, and nobody is going to touch that ever on the Bulls, and nobody expects them to around here. But like you can say that around the league, like I, you know, stop it. Michael Jordan is in his own thing, right? We don't care. Come here. We won't compare you. Yeah. So like, if anyone has that concern, like about Bulls, like I think that's insane. Like, dude, nobody has an expectation for anyone to be Michael Jordan. And if they did, they're they're nuts because you can't replicate that. He's a once in a he's like Leonardo da Vinci, like you know, once every five hundred years type of thing. Like, yeah, and I think sometimes athletes underestimate the power of if you succeed in a place like Philly, Boston, Chicago. If you win in those cities, you become iconic legends in those particular cities, and there's a long-term financial gain there that might not necessarily go on the contract that you ink for you know whatever team that's paying top dollar for you at that particular time brad hop in yeah i want to say joey is talking about the bulls we just kept talking about all this guy offensively 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 oh the bulls overs you know what i'm you know where i'm going with it look when i look at again i big sixer the one team there's two teams i allow myself still to root for are the philadelphia 76ers in michigan those are the two things i still you had a good year this year yeah yeah i had a good year this year i'll still allow <laughs> myself to root for those teams not just the teams i bet on that day and the Sixers, Ben Simmons is the second choice to be an NBA defensive player of the year. He's phenomenal. There was an amazing clip on a website I saw, which just was a nine-minute clip of his defensive highlights, which was sick. Like, he he flat out stoned Damian Lillard, who's one of the best offensive players in the world. Couldn't get a shot off against him. And Embiid's obviously an elite defensive guy. When I look at the Bulls, I say to myself, okay, they're maybe hoping one Carter was going to be somewhat of a defensive shot blocker. Somewhat. He obviously never was. As much as I like Vucevic, and he's a really nice offensive player. Defensively. Where is that rim protector? Right. Where's that rim protector? Where's that? Where are they going to get defensive stops? Where? I mean, Zach Levine has the athleticism to to maybe hopefully say, I want to be a lockdown defender, but he really has never really been his game. It's, it's mental Bulls- for him. He blows assignments. He tries. He's really trying this year. But yeah. like backdoor well, cuts really and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I just don't know if I see, as much as I like this team, maybe as a regular season potential team, Long term, if I'm a franchise builder, do I need to get again? The Sixers have a keep going back to them, but they have a Matisse Thibel who's going to have a long NBA career because he could is a tremendous defensive player. And who can if he can be a guy who can make the three, he could play 15 years in the league, no problem. Where are the Bulls going to get the rim protector, the, the defensive lock, where they can get those stops in a when they're up one with a minute to go and you got to get a stop, or they're down one with a minute to go, you got to get a stop. That's where I look at Joey, and I, you know, curious your feedback. I don't know if where if I'm their organization where I think I even can look for for that because it's easier said than done. Yeah, that's a great question because yeah, and again, the Chicago Bulls, I believe, are also leading the NBA in turnovers too as well. They got to take care of the basketball. That all bleeds yeah. into defense and all that other executional fundamental stuff. Yeah, in my opinion, what I love about the Vucevic deal is it does give us more of that solidified offensive firepower. One of the problems that the Bulls have is. No matter how great Zach Levine is going, what they were running a box and one on him when he dropped 40 in the first half. That's how hot he got. But the best part is now he has a compliment, a counterpoint where he doesn't feel like he has to force up that shot and Vooch can pick up those buckets kind of along the way. I do like the Patrick Williams move. I do think moving forward defensively, wing defensive play, I think that's going to help out a little bit. But it's it's a huge area of concern. 
And you're bringing up something that's really interesting because I think a lot of people and rightfully so are saying, Hey, the bulls need to find that third star to pair with Levine and Vooch. Well, maybe now that we've got our offense in the top five, top eight in the NBA, maybe we've got that a little bit covered and maybe now we should try and supplant it on the back end with some defensive players and maybe try and create an environment that kind of can kind of help, you know, Vooch out. I think the Daniel Tice move was a big part of we're going to get Vooch. We can't have Daniel Gafford backing up Vooch. People will dunk on us every single possession as, as we move along. So I think that was kind of a correlation there. And I don't know, free agency wise, can you, can, can you buy defense easier than you can buy scoring in this modern NBA? Scott, I mean, I ask you, I don't think that there's an easy answer there. There isn't. I, I, I immediately go like Patrick Beverly and he's like 36, right? Who are the yeah, young defensive yeah. players? Tybal, yeah. you mentioned was a great call, but who are these young you know, defensive players that, that, that should be targeted? I, I, I can't think. It's not, it's not a long list. But funny, Joey, this is the one sport I always talk about we're talking about the DFS, like LeBron James never scores zero points. Mike Trout can go 0 for 4. Like a hockey goalie, you know, Steven Skemkos won't score his goal. Like whatever, Patrick Kane won't score his goals. Basketball is the one sport where offense really is king. So I want to be better more on offense than I on defense. Like that, because that's just how you win games. But you also want to be able to have a guy that, to me, length bothers teams. You know, and I speak to coaches, they always talk about length, length, yeah. length, because I don't care who you are. If someone's in length, it bothers you. As a shooter, you know, when you have a hand in your face, it bothers you. If you have the ability to go over someone easily, it doesn't bother you. So I think if the Bulls can get guys that maybe have length, they can just bother people. It doesn't have to shut them down, but slow them down. Where again, it's such a subtle sport. If teams go from shooting 38% three against you to 36% or 35%, you've raised yourself multiple wins just by a couple percentage points. You don't, again, you don't have to go from hitting, going Brady Anderson back day, going from two home runs to 50, you know. Great sideburns though, real quick. Great sideburns. No doubt. Yeah. 902 and 0. I think Brad's onto something there, like defensively. Really, I think the only thing you can really do is just say, get guys with long arms, because yeah. that's the only way to de- you can defend now is like bothering them with length, because you can't, you know, the strength is mitigated. You know, you can't yeah. muscle guys up. It's that's just a game, not part of the game. So the only way to you can possibly really defend or contest shots, and it is hard, is just someone with length. So, you know, that, that guy doesn't have to be necessarily a great defender. Just, just stick your arms up and be long. Is <laughs> like, that's all we can ask for. Because otherwise, I mean, it's, the defense is so, it's so cast aside in the NBA. It's, it's like a different sport altogether than, it, uh, than, than what basketball is, I, as I knew it. Uh, even, even up, you know, up until several years ago I mean, these, every year to me it's getting tougher and tougher i don't know how you pick for defense two percent joey give me 37 percent, 35 percent on the threes you give me that two percent i'll get you five more with six more wins that's all two percent two percent you know that that's it and but if you can do that just like what scott said it doesn't have to be like some crazy thing just two percent give me a guy that can just bother you a nick here where, you know, instead of making 37 of 100, he's now making 35 of 100. That subtle difference, okay, will win you over the 82-game regular season, will win you multiple games. And again, but it's not our, it's not my job, Joey. It's not your job. We're not running the Bulls. But when you're paying that person to do 
the job and they're being paid millions of dollars, they got to get it right. Like if the Sixers had had Daryl Morey from the dying that Jerry, Brian Colangelo came in, look what Brian Colangelo did. He came into a situation that if you played it a million times, you couldn't have done it worse. I mean, they had Simmons and Embiid and they still have Simmons and Embiid and they had the number one pick in the draft. They had other multiple first round picks, Kings first round pick, and they turned it into Markel Fultz. I mean, you, again, I don't care if 999 people out of a thousand thought he was going to be great. It's your job to not be wrong. And, and that was a great draft and they traded Jason Tatum and multiple first round picks to get Markel Fultz. They had Jimmy Butler. They didn't resign. I mean, these, you had Jimmy Butler, the Sixers, they're the best team in the NBA, even with the Markel Fultz debacle. That's why I say you get the right guy to run a team. They bring in the right players. Yeah. So to me, it's, I, I can't put the Sixers paid more $10 million. People are like, what's wrong with them? I'm like, it's brilliant. Yeah. He's proven he they won the most games in Houston over the last 15 years. They won more games than anyone. I know they didn't win a title, but like the Billy Bean thing in Oakland, process over result. I can't control if I win the title, but I can control how many games I win and put myself in position time and time again. You know, like trying to win that Hideki Matsuyama finally won his first major. He put himself in position being an elite golfer. Finally happened. Eventually, you put the right guy in position, Joey. You're going to do that. And to me, finding the right guy to run your team is worth more than the players because that guy's going to get the right players. You know what I mean? That guy's going to get you the players you need. And I, I think sometimes we, it's amazing to me, the lack of efficiency in the guys running these teams. Yeah. Well, yeah. In terms of the 76ers, you also got Nerlens Noel. You got Michael Carter Williams. Yeah. Some other whiffs along the way. Sure. But I, I, and, and I think what we're coming out of this with, and I think this is why Bulls fans need to be optimistic moving forward is what I think AK and Eversley have done is first of all, they moved out guys like Chandler Hutchinson, which as we've all talked about length, baby length, but there's there's more to it. He had no system to play in. Dude couldn't make a layup or whatever, but they kind of moved off of that because they want to bring in their own players. And what do they do? They brought in Billy Donovan. I do not have the stat in front of me this year because I do not know how the Bulls are doing with it this year. They brought in Billy Donovan because his teams traditionally finish at least in the top eight or top five in defending the three-pointer. His defenses in whatever way, whether it's worked through personnel or maybe his own coaching style, gets to that 2% you were talking yeah. about, Brad. And I think that's what makes him maybe that coach that... And I don't they know have improved this year, Joey. They have yeah, absolutely. Year, they're the entertaining and competent. They're not. They're not getting blown out in the second quarter. They're blowing seventeen point leads, but they're not getting blown out in the second quarter like they have in the last three or four years. I got lucky last year. My biggest over under bet, and I got very lucky. I got a refund on it. Was the Bulls over? I bet the Bulls over. It was like twenty. I, I crushed the number. I got like over twenty eight and a half. It closed at thirty three and a half. I beat it by five games, but they stunk last year. And because they didn't play 82 games, I got a refund on the bet. But this year's Bulls team has certainly been at least significantly better than last year's train wreck. Now, I'm not saying it's been as good as Bulls fans want it to be so far, but I have seen improvement. I've seen Zach Levine go from a guy that people just call kind of a you know good player and a bad team. Some people still may be saying that, but I think he's really shown he has – I think he is an all-star. That's just my opinion. I, I really do believe that. And I think getting this Vucevic trade um, – I don't think, I think they're a team that's at least improving. And I like hearing what you said about the defending the three point shot again, subtle differences. It's hard in the NBA. You got to get that superstar player, like building an NFL team to me is easier in that you get a lot of turnover in the NBA with being such a star league. Look at LeBron. He's gone to the finals, what, 12 or 13 years. I mean, 
it's such a stars league. So you're always going to be somewhat at the mercy of that. But I do think the Bulls are at least on the right path of many years under the Gar Packs, <laughs> um, you know, philosophy, which I think has been disappointing for a lot of years. Philosophy is a generous word, my friend. That's a generous word of putting it, but that, that's a very diplomatic way of saying it. Scott, just real quick, the Bulls, do you want them in the playoffs or do you want them in the lottery as a Bulls fan? What do you prefer just for this season? Give me lottery. Yeah. Keep, what are they doing in the playoffs? Keep the lottery vote. Yeah, it's true. No, it's fair. It's very fair. You know, you want to see know, them maybe get an accomplishment of, what, getting blown up by Milwaukee or Philadelphia in the right. first round or maybe another bite at the apple at maybe, a, you know, a Johnny Juzang or, you know what I mean? Like, be honest, it's it's like the worst spot because even their, their lottery odds to be to are, are going to be minuscule. They're improved though, because they changed the rules. It's now actually not impossible to move Okay, on. they've improved. What like when they got Derrick Rose, they were minuscule. That was right, just right. pure luck. I'd I'd rather take my shot with the the one and you know like this is right. the golden ticket. They they end up with it. And you're saying this odds are improved, so that only um, you know would add to why I would do this. I would only sure. give more reasons. Um, than the Bulls, especially, they got no shot in the playoffs. And yeah. to me, and I, I get there's something to it about, well, getting to the playoffs and, um, you know, the excitement of, okay, they finally are back in there and the people are, you know, you're seeing good signs and it's fun to see your team in the playoffs. Granted, and this is where some bias comes in because of my experiences, that doesn't do shit for me because I've seen it all. I've said this is one of the reasons that I've, I've soured on the NBA is well before I was early on souring on the NBA is like after the Michael Jordan experience, where do you go from here? We can lose <laughs> the next thousand years. And I'm like, dude, you can't top this experience. You had Michael Jordan. It, that's it. That's the ultimate experience for your, if you're a passionate fan for your city, your team to have that guy and that whole thing go down. So I'm like, whatever playoffs. Sure. Let's get in the lottery. Give, give, yeah, give me a shot at, there's five elite prospects this year. And, so, and keep in mind, Bulls have a top four protected pick uh, based off of the Vucevic right. trade. So that's that's pretty good odds for me if they get up in the top there. You know what their odds are, Brad? Uh, do you know what the odds roughly change to for a top, uh, top? I don't have it in front of me, Scott, but I know they basically made it where you know, it used to be. Uh, it they was up to back end, right? Like the back they, end got Yeah, they did, it, they did it because of the Sixers, ironically, with Sam Hinkie. Uh, doing his full-on tank mode, it ruffled a lot of feathers. He, but he, he did it the right way, by the way. Um, again, I always say process over result, and his whole thing was trust the process. That's how they got Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Now, again, they whiffed for sure on um, on uh, Julio Okafor, okay? Uh, and they and they whiffed with Mike. But Michael Carter Williams was the 12th pick in the draft. That wasn't as bad as – and he actually did win Rookie of the Year, but um, that wasn't as bad. But, again – when you give yourself those top three picks, you're giving yourself a, a better chance of getting the elite guys. And that's all you can do. And you're right. Will you draft Patrick Mahomes or will you draft Mitchell Trubisky? It can go either way. And you have to hope that the guy drafting doesn't mess that up. It's really that simple. It's about getting at bats for that type, if that's the route. Like when I say at bats, like. Yeah, I get it. Volume, you know, like yeah. if, if you got, the Sixers are a perfect example. If you get all those, those top three picks, you're gonna, well, they you're just bound. got two of them to hit, and they missed on right. a bunch. And just having those two, they've been uh, the last four years. They've been an elite team. Five you, years. Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna, you may miss some, but you're gonna also hit too. So 
you, 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 if they have all those opportunities, then you're going to bound to run into something. Yeah. Um, so it's it rather. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, and we're that's having we're, we're having this conversation about Bulls players and bench guys and rotation players. What they draft seventh pretty much every year. You know what I mean? And it's, it's kind of right. More. It's right in that oh, middle. Right. And that's yeah, kind right. of. That's a little bit of the product of what you're going to get. The Wendell Carters, the Kobe Whites, the Laurie Markinens of the world. They either turn into starters, yeah. borderline all-stars, or they turn into these playoff rotation guys. Chris Dunn. Come off the Chris they both have been, Yeah, NBA purgatory for a long time. I remember forever it was the Atlanta Hawks for that team, right? Where, like, yeah. the worst thing you can be is, like, for that – be Dude, like not great. Seed, seventh yeah. seed, six, you know – right there or nine you know just missing the playoffs like you either want to be one of the top teams elite or one of the absolute worst and anything in between and then i that hasn't changed ultimately but it's only it's only gotten um more polarizing in that regard like every like there's two teams that have all the best players and then there's you know like a two you know a couple teams that are like the pits of the world everyone else is like we're good for the year uh we're just gonna hang back for the year and maybe just figure it out and roll it over to the next one moving forward NBA fan is different now too because you know you get these uh it's about player loyalty like i'm on the message board whatever i'm like seeing these these guys and you know these young kids and i'm saying like late teens early 20s whatever and it's like they're the fan of whatever team LeBron James is on or they're a Steph Curry guy and he's always on the team he's been on Gold State as well but it, it, they're all about the, the player, not at the city. So this kid, kid who lives in Memphis, Tennessee, roots for wherever the, the fuck LeBron James is every year. That's kind of like what the NBA bases. That's kind of how they, you know, Silvers. I mean, they really put it, pushed that agenda. And it's, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, you know, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the evolving, it's the evolving NBA. I mean, the, the players are better than ever. The game probably isn't as good as ever. And we could talk here. about that maybe with baseball too, as well, but gentlemen, we got to get you out of here. I'm just, we're going to get you out of here. And just one more thing. I'm having such a great time with both you with Scott saying and Brad Feinberg, we're going way over the time that we allotted, but that's because we're having such a great conversation, Brad, before we get you out of here, I'm wondering if maybe you can dip into your treasure chest a little bit, and maybe we could do a little story time with Brad. I just want to try and maybe get a little something out of you from your travels. I did hear a slight rumor uh, that you've had interactions with Mr. MJ, Mr. 23 himself. You can go that route and tell a type of story, or you know, just uh, if you can maybe inundate us with, uh, I don't know, just tell us, uh, tell us a tale. Gosh, I don't know if I should tell this one, but uh, yes, when I was. Me. Uh, I'm gonna tell. Did I ever? I tell you the Scotty Pippen one, Scott. I told you that, right? Yes, I I know the Pippen one. Um, Can I tell that or no? I like them all, but Sorry, yeah. the, the, I'll <laughs> tell you, Joey. When I, whole, basically, what you did when I, think I when I was younger, when yeah. Young. When I was younger, you know, me and my brother and some friends, we used to call. This is before like the internet, before everything. It was so much easier to do stuff, Joey. Like we would call up athletes in the hotel, and. By the way, the nicest man ever I spoke to was Tony Gwynn. May he rest in peace. Oh. Such a I spoke hours of baseball with Tony Gwynn. But when I was, it was 19, I want to say 1989. Uh, I believe that was the year. It was before the Bulls won any of their titles. I think Scottie Pippen had played maybe two years. Maybe it was the second year. And I called him up because a buddy of mine worked at the local radio station. So he was able to get all the names for the hotel stayed at the team stayed at. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, look at this. I was so excited. I'm like, I'm going to call this. So I call up Scotty Pippen. 
I'm like, Scotty, this is like before people gave aliases. And, you know, he answers the phone. And I'm like, hey, Scotty, this is Jerry Krause. I'm an 18-year-old kid being Jerry Krause. And I'm like, listen, you know, Scotty, I just want to let you know, we just made a minor trade. I said minor trade. I'm like, we just traded you to Seattle, you know, back, you know, when they remember they drafted him. Like, and, and then, I'm like, and then yeah, they almost traded him. To- they almost traded him again in 92, 93. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, we, we've traded you back. I go, MJ hasn't been happy with some of the stuff that's been going on. Obviously it's his team. You know, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, to, to cast dispersions on you. And we really appreciate all you've done, but you know, listen, there's going to be a limo waiting down for you in a half hour. I need you to pack up your stuff. And, you know, but I really want to thank you for all you've done for the organization. The guy was legitimately in tears, um, was so upset. And he's like, I don't understand. I thought me and MJ were cool. I thought we were doing great. I don't understand. No, turns out you were not cool. Not cool. I'm like, no, you were not cool. (laughs) And I mean, totally, totally got him. Uh, When he hung up that phone, his life was wrecked. Scotty, if you're listening, I apologize. (laughs) I'm, I'm slightly more mature. Not that much more, but that was back in the day when we were able to pull these stupid pranks or, or, or whatnot. But that was one we used to get, God, we used to do all this stuff. These athletes try to get athletes to not like each other by saying so-and-so said this and that. Uh, so I did, I did a one or two things I uh, probably shouldn't have done back in the day, but that was one of my favorites. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on Believe in Betting Chicago. Scott, my friend, good to see you again. Thanks so much for coming back on. Thank you. And, and Brad, real quick, my friend, just do, yeah. do me a favor. Just tell people, the good people, how they can either find your work online or some of the websites oh, and sure. stuff that are yeah, promoting I, and publishing your work right now and all that good stuff. Yeah, I appreciate that, Joe. It's funny. I finally got in the 21st century, begrudgingly, uh, even with the three-point shot. I'm at Brad's Best Bets uh, and on Twitter at Brad's Best Bets. I put out props every day or try to put them every day. And I do well, and you can, I don't charge, I do it to be nice. I try to help people. I know it sounds corny, but I actually really do try to do that. Um, I work for a company called betprep.com, which is tremendous. You can put in on, on this site, Joey, any single player props, and it'll, it'll give you all the research for up to the last 200 games. So you can really get good data. And I say either you bet for win or you bet for enjoyment. You're betting the win. It's a great site. It helps you out there. And uh, those would be two things you can follow me at and, you know, uh, I really appreciate you having me on. I really had a lot of fun with both you guys today. Yeah, gentlemen, so great. I hope you go, we can come back and do it again sometime soon. I mean, look, we got a lot going on. We got NBA playoffs coming up. You know, we got the NBA, obviously the NFL drafts on the way, and baseball sure. is going to be around every day, baby. So thank sure. you so much for coming on, you guys. This was Believe in Betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode was brought to you by Just Live CBD Oil and also betonline.ag 50% off your welcome bonus when you sign up today at betonline.ag thank you so much for listening to this pod you guys have a great weekend we're coming back next week with a ton more great pods but thank you for listening to this one until then be well be safe please be good to each other we will talk soon thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.